0: Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog, and today I am here with Randy Kleinman, author of A Logical Approach to Spirituality. Randy, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm really excited to talk about you and your book.
1: Matt, thank you so much for having me. Uh, The pleasure is all mine and I'm really excited too.
0: Great, great. Well, to get started, tell us about your book. What's it about and why did you write it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a definitely kind of a loaded question. Um, There are, it's, it's a logical approach to spirituality. I really wanted to, you know, why did I write it? Let's start with that. I, I felt it was like a calling. I just felt pulled and drawn to do it. I can't explain it any, any other way than that. And, you know, several years ago, I started just writing down some thoughts and ideas I had. I've been into the spiritual topics and spirituality for the better part of 20 years. So I've done so much reading, so much research on the topic. And, you know, I felt that there was just a real dearth of content out there that was aimed toward like everyday people, you know, certain things told you, you have to, you know, live a certain way or give up this or give up that. There's nothing really out there that really just breaks it down in a logical, easy to to digest way in a way that allows spirituality to be unique to each and every individual so i you know at first i thought i wanted to do something like you do maybe just like, like a block and uh, i wanted to call it spirituality and Law. and you know as uh time went on and i started writing content i realized you know you i had i had enough for a book i had you know i could separate it into chapters and uh, I, I developed this idea of, you know, spirituality a la carte, making spirituality unique to every individual. And, you know, look, it, it was it was definitely a struggle. I, I it wasn't I, I would ask myself, I would think, you know, you're crazy. Right? Who cares? You're nobody. Who cares what you have to say? And then I step back and, and realize, wait, wait a minute. Like that, that's the whole point of this book is that I am this regular, ordinary, everyday inherently flawed in so many ways person who makes mistakes constantly and who's just learning and growing like a vast majority of people in the on this planet who are reading these books you know I'm not some guru and I'm not some you know enlightened person I'm just a, an everyday person who happens to be knowledgeable about these topics and who wants to start a conversation and make this topic less esoteric and more mainstream. It's,
0: I think that's great because you know I don't know about you, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you know you're talking about when you say the everyday person. It's like asking yourself, what does spirituality have to do with you know going to work every day, paying our bills, coming home, running errands, um, just like the normal everyday responsibilities and tasks. Am I hearing that
1: correctly? Yeah, I, I think that's definitely part of it, and it's just it's our society now there, we're just, we're changing. And I think the religious paradigms, hence, you know, the subtitle, Shattering the Religious Paradigm, I think they're antiquated. And the more people I talk to, and, and, you know, part of what the inspiration for writing this, and while I was writing it, it's, you know, discussing these ideas with people, it's, you know, you're at a party and you're talking to some random person and and everyone receives these ideas so well. I, I hear more and more often these days, yeah, you know, I, I, I find myself more spiritual than religious or, yeah, I just can't really get down with religion or, you know, it just seems so archaic and I, I really don't know where to look and where to turn. So I think in terms of just everyday living, this is just so uh, topical and just so needed.
0: It, it really is. Yeah, I think there are people out there really searching for that greater spiritual connection and meaning. Um, and, I, you know, I'm wondering can you give some specific personal examples of what this looks like in your life? Like when you talk about applying this to everyday living, how does that show up for you? What are some examples of ways that you incorporate some of these ideas in your book into your, into your life?
1: It's, that's a great question. And keeping in mind that I am still so unbelievably flawed and I, I have to keep <laughs> stressing that because I, you know, sometimes my routine gets broken. Sometimes yeah. I'm busy. You know, sometimes I miss a day of meditation or I'll, I'll miss things and that's okay. So I look, I'm, I'm I incorporated into my life. Uh, I'm, I'm really regimented and I'm really, I have a, I have a pretty regimented routine. You know, every day I get up and I, I start with some, some exercise, I work out. And I think sweating and getting your stress out that way is really important. But I also think, believe it or not, that it's working out and keeping your body Healthy is tied directly to spirituality. I do think that. And I talk about that a little in the book because without a healthy body, how can you have a healthy mind? How can you have a healthy soul? It's a mind, body, spirit connection. You've got to keep those, you've got to keep it flowing very, uh, you've got to keep a healthy flow. And then after that, I'll do, I'll meditate. And then I'll go and get on with my day. But I find that that really centers me and really focuses me um, and, I, and, without doing that every day, I take, you know, the meditations an everyday thing, maybe I'll take an off day working out or, I'll, you know, from traveling or whatever, I, I miss a workout, but really, that's what helps center and focus me and I think that is part of my spiritual practice, which is unique to me
0: yeah I, I absolutely agree and I mean I try to do a similar thing and like you, you know I, I don't do it every day, but the days that I don't do it, I, I notice a difference. I'm a little just a little off, a little unfocused, not so that's that's great that you're able to do that. Um, and I know also in, in your book, you, you do talk about some more um, in-depth ideas. Um, such as, you know, not only logic, but also science and spirituality connection. Um, you know, can you, can you talk a little bit about that and what that
1: means? Absolutely. And I'm, I'd love to also just hear your thoughts and, su- and some of what you yeah. think about this stuff, because, um, you know, I think that helps the discourse. But uh, I think, you know, it's for, for whatever reason, science and religion have become these mutually exclusive concepts. And I think there's always been this struggle or this battle between the two. Either you're a scientist and everything needs to be predicated on science and you know God is not really part of that equation at all. Or you're religious and you know you take the the inverse, the opposite approach. And what I try to discuss is that they're not really mutually exclusive. In fact, science can prove the existence of a creator. And you know the the two can cooperate and work together, right? So I talk about, you know, just briefly, you know, the concept of energy. And if energy can neither be created nor destroyed, then essentially I go I go into how that's essentially the creator. And you have letters from Albert Einstein, right? And he's talking about this concept of a, of a creator. So, okay, maybe science really does kind of embrace it, but it doesn't embrace it outwardly. It's, it's almost like this, it's it's subtext, you know? Uh, if you look at the work of Carl Carl Jung also, he talks about the collective unconscious, but he doesn't quite go as far as to say, well, how is it that, you know, all? it seems like thoughts are connected, but, you know, or the, there's these synchronicities or all these things that are really spiritual concepts, right? but they talk about it scientifically it's sterile they were they they don't quite go as far as to incorporate that spiritual element i'm like take the leap just take the freaking leap and accept that maybe maybe these things are connected to something bigger than just you know uh coincidence or random random occurrences
0: absolutely i mean you mentioned two i think important topics one being energy being you know neither created nor destroyed i mean i think a very like practical example is you just take human life being created i mean there is a moment where a child's heart starts beating in the womb and science cannot explain why that happens at that particular moment and so i mean there is some sort of life or energy being created in that moment that science can't explain um and then you know if you take that even a step further, I mean, just, um, you know, wondering, you know, looking at each child's unique personality or even some young children having past life uh, memories of past lives Absolutely. that they can't explain. Um, and, and then like even taking it a step further, some of those examples you talk about, about coincidences and Carl Jung and talking about that being synchronicity again if you just looked at it from a scientific or statistical probability, the statistical probability of all of these coincidences happening is, you know, virtually zero. So it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I totally, and you, you kind of, I mean, you are in somewhat of a scientific field. I mean, right. So you, you probably can, I think you have expertise on this, (laughs) Uh, by the way, there's just a tiny, tiny bit of feedback, I think from, maybe it's from the headphones. Okay clicking sound.
0: I'm not sure what that is. I'm not okay.
1: hearing it, but it should okay. be okay. Okay. Um, but you know, it, and it's interesting that you mentioned the the past life thing also because I do go into that in, in my book. And There was a book I read, I don't know, 15 years ago, I think called Many Lives, Many Masters. And it, and I discussed the book, but essentially you have this psychiatrist who um, stumbled upon, you know, w- a patient who was discussing, I think it was in a, a hypnotic regression. And all of a sudden, they start talking about this past life. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This shatters his entire perception of reality, right? This medical doctor with credibility. And this leads him on a journey. And he finds that this is not a one time thing. This is, there are a lot of people who have not just memories, but details that are verifiable and, and accurate even children. So this, and I go through some examples in the book and it's really, really just, just incredible. And, um, so, so you're, you're absolutely right. And I just think it's, uh, it's just, it's just fascinating that science can sometimes just try to chalk it off as just a coincidence or, well, we can't explain it. So we won't, they'll put it aside. Right. it's It's the same thing. You know, there's all this Even in in the DNA molecule, they call junk DNA because they they don't know how to explain or why it's there. Or, you know, we know how, uh, you know, snowflakes take these very unusual geometric forms, but they don't know why. They know that it happened, but they don't go. Well, maybe it's there's a universal structure to the uh, geometric structure to our our lives, to uh, to the universe. And I, I don't really go into that in the book, but there's a whole science spiritual science behind that but in, in, in you know i think until science catches up or acknowledges that it's really going to thwart for progress
0: yeah you're absolutely right um and you also mentioned logic do you distinguish logic from science obviously science is part of logic um but when you refer to logic are you referring to other um concepts as well
1: you know i i don't think i make a distinction or or even an analogy i but what i what i do is i really i am well some may argue but i think i'm a a very logical person and you know especially as an attorney there's a lot there's a there's a coherence and a logic to how I like to put together, for example, an argument. And my, what I try to do in a conversational way is not just make these statements or, or, or spout these platitudes, but really just try to, I'll say, I'll make, I'll, I'll make a proposition and then I'll back it up. And, and I'll, so to me, that's a logical way of doing it. I'll make a statement and I'll say, here's the evidence to prove this concept. Here's how it works and, you know, here's, here's the, some of the things I've seen in my life. Here's some of the things that science says. Here's some of the thing, you know, so to me, that's how it's logical. And it's just a very step, and I do that in a step-by-step compartmentalized way where I try to build on, you know, build on something. So that's that's how I go about it logically.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I took a similar approach to spirituality as well. I remember when I first started to try to incorporate some of these concepts into my life, you know, like meditation or b- making decisions based on coincidences or intuition, I questioned it myself. And then I started to like treat it like a science experiment and say, okay, I'm making these decisions. I'm making these changes to my life. What sort of results am I noticing? And, you know, that might not be the most fair um, way to do it. But over time, I have accumulated enough evidence to say, you know, this might not get me the most pleasant outcome every time. But in the long run, this really does seem to work pretty well.
1: Yeah, definitely. What, what kind of meditation do you practice?
0: Um, it's mainly a combination of where I'll repeat a mantra to myself. Um, Sometimes I'll do a guided meditation. Um, I'm also currently reading A Course in Miracles. So I'll just try to contemplate on like a phrase or an idea that they talk about in that. Um, And then uh, do some sort of like yin yoga or relaxation yoga. So it just kind of depends on the day and and how calm or uncalm my mind is
1: yeah i think that's great there's so many different kinds of meditation i'm so i i've been doing transcendental which is similar with the they give you a mantra and you repeat that but i really i would like to dive in and learn other types and just you know kind of integrate those two because sometimes i don't know i i think yeah the, the, the contemplative one that you're talking about is great too um but i, I haven't really learned how to how to go about doing it um, I'm not sure it's, there's much to it, but I'm definitely
0: interested in it. Yeah. It's, they're all, I think have a similar purpose of just trying to help calm your mind. Um, the contemplative is really just sort of repeating, um, a phrase and then reflecting on it. And then I'll usually do, after I do that, I'll do some more traditional meditation, just like focusing on, um, a mantra or just my breath sometimes I have noticed it's actually hard for me to calm my mind. So I will listen to a guided meditation. Um, and that will help me also.
1: Yeah. No, the calming of the, of the mind is always a challenge for me as well. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm particularly good at meditation. I try. I know. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and one of the things, one of the misconceptions is that you're not even supposed to think at all. And that's not true. It's, and what I try to, what I try to do and, it's, you're supposed to just, you know, objectively, you know, observe your thoughts without judgment and just let them go. You know, I don't think, it, I mean, look, most people probably cannot shut off their mind. And I think that's probably why people get frustrated with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's observe the thought and let it go. Observe the thought, you know,
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause yeah, I've, I've said that to myself and other people, I've been trying to practice meditation now for probably about 18 years. And I don't think I have ever quieted my mind. I mean, maybe at most for like five or 10 seconds.
1: Yeah. Right. You get those, you get the couple of seconds and then all of a sudden you think, wow, I had calmed my mind. and then Yes. That- yeah or 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 you'll get like 10 seconds and then you'll like realize that you fell asleep for like for like for for those 10 seconds
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly so yeah I mean I just look at it as it is as a practice um and then you know you can also incorporate some mindfulness exercises into it whether it's just going for a walk in nature and just trying to be aware of your surroundings um that itself I think can be a form of meditation or at the very absolutely.
1: I, I totally agree. And I, I, I even think, believe it or not, you know, I, I love spin. So this is like an example for me. And I think I talked about it in the book, but, you know, I'll be on the spin bike and I'm really, I want to really push myself past that threshold, past out of my comfort zone and, and to the point where, you know, I'm really, really struggling and I put my mind somewhere else. That right there to me is a form of meditation because I lose sense of time. I do it. I push and I push through it. And then, and then, so I, I think that is in its of itself also a form of
0: meditation. That's that's absolutely absolutely. Um, and I, I I do want to come back to something that you said earlier, which I think is fascinating. Is you also are an attorney? Um, I also am an attorney. I don't practice anymore, but I I once did work as a trial lawyer for uh, Department of Child Services, and then in private practice in family law. So. I'm, I only mentioned that to say I'm, I'm aware of some of the challenges that can occur with being an attorney. So, just I'm curious, tell me about that. What's that like for you, and how do you incorporate spirituality into your practice of
1: law? Yeah. Well, aside from the daily routine, which I really do think Sanders made, um, you know, I think maintaining mindfulness and, and look, I. Sometimes I get sucked into the drama. I'm a litigator too, so um, what? For a living, we fight. Yeah. But you know, but I really try to take. I keep this tone that I'm using now in this demeanor, and especially when it when an adversary is getting really, really heated or really, you know, really emotional, taking this tone and just responding like I'm responding now. And, I don't, you know, trying to not be condescending when I do it. I think that oftentimes that, that really calms the situation. It's it's you, you, you kill them with kindness and it's almost, it makes it very difficult for them to respond in a, in a hostile way when I, when I just respond like this, even when they're insulting, even when they're taking personal attacks, you know, my, my boss makes, makes fun of me in a loving way because we'll be on a call and he'll, he'll just, he'll, he says I like, I'll them to death because. They'll say something that that's really cutting or insulting. And I, I'll just, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll either ignore it or I'll just address it in a way that is just so benign that it's impossible for them. It just takes the tone. down. To so I think that's how I do it. And again, look, I'm, I lose my cool sometimes too, a human being, but I think generally that's how I try to operate.
0: That's that's fantastic, and I, I'm not just saying that because I am just I know from experience that it's hard for me to keep my cool sometimes too. Um, so that takes a lot of skill. Um, what are just some of your own practices that you use to keep your cool? Because that's that's not easy to do. <laughs> it's
1: it's not, and, and look, that's... yeah, it looks, and sometimes when I'm tired and I get enough sleep. And I'm hungry, and it's late in the day. I it is very difficult. It is very difficult. You know, someone cuts you off in traffic, and you're like,
0: ah, right.
1: I again, it's just being mindful of the overall picture. I try to keep things in perspective. In perspective, you know, this moment right here, in the greater scheme of things, how how meaningful is it? Yeah. Is it really worth losing my? sucking my energy out because it's all an energy exchange too, right?
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's one of the most powerful questions people can ask to help maintain their calm is to ask, is this worth it? And then to go a little bit deeper, like you said, and ask, is it worth like raising my blood i mean talk about the connection between science and spirituality i mean is it worth it to raise my blood pressure raise my heart rate increase my cortisol levels you know to get angry or upset at some guy who cut me off
1: absolutely and just all these you know pretty meaningless things I, i couldn't and you know as a kid you know teenager even in my early 20s, I definitely was a little more hot headed and I, I lost my cool far more often. And I know how that feels. I also know how it affects others around me. And I don't want to be that person. Right. And, and with a partner and in a relationship, you don't want to be, you want to be calm, cool, collected, because at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to resolve whatever the issue is, you know, unless it's not right, but usually you, you, you resolve it. And, you know, you have to learn from all these mistakes. You don't want to say things that you're going to end up really regretting or react in a way that you're just embarrassed about. So I think about that, you know, when, you know, it's like a split second thing. Something will set, be said to me. Maybe I, I don't appreciate the tone or appreciate the comment or whatever it is. And then recognizing maybe where the other person came from and recognizing, okay, are they coming from a place of hostility? Are they coming from a place of love? Maybe it's, maybe I'm misunderstanding. Maybe they don't need to there's any myriad of things that could be going on, on from the other person's perspective, I try to assess and then I try to react accordingly. So that can be in a relationship, it can be with my job, or it can be, yeah, just driving in a car. So these are all things And I guess when I say mindfulness, that's just what I mean, trying to remain mindful of that. And again, look, like we're, we're all human beings and we, we don't always, um, I, I don't always react in the best way, but I think now, the me now, in, in an overwhelming majority of situations, I handle it much better than it used to, just keeping these things in mind. And I think having my meditation and exercise routine, I, I really think that helps you know, keep me uh, more collected as well. How about you? I mean, what do you think?
0: That's excellent. Um, yes, very, very, very similar process. I don't get this right all the time either. Um, I mean, every once in a while I will lose my cool too. Um, but in general, I've gotten a lot better at this and I, I try to use, um, some of those same, um, you, you mentioned mindfulness. I think they're also very like, cognitive, -cognitive, metacognitive techniques where it's like, okay, what are the thoughts that are going through my mind right now? Are there any other thoughts that could be more helpful to think about this situation? You know, where is this person coming from? Um, You know, do, is it worth it to lose my cool about this? Um, And then there's also too, um, just some very simple, like, physiological exercises you can do in those moments, which are essentially like mini meditation, body awareness exercises, where it's like, I'll start to be be aware of my body. I'll I'll notice, okay, my heart rate is starting to beat now. Oh, my shoulders are getting tense right now. So just trying to be aware of some of these physiological changes in my body. And that's kind of like a, a yellow light for me, like, oh, okay my heart rate is raising. I need to do something to slow down or else I'm gonna say something that I regret. And then I may try to do some like more body awareness exercises, very simple in the moment. It may just be like relaxing my shoulders or just like slowing my breathing down or just some like grounding exercises where I'm just focusing on like, oh, my feet are touching the ground right now. And so just getting getting my body involved into that moment too um, which I think is also a form of mindfulness helps me stay calm and centered. Also, yeah,
1: I think that's awesome. And see, I'm learning. This is why I love having these conversations <laughs> because I learn something new every time. And I, I never heard of heard of that. So I'm gonna look more into it too. These, uh, I guess, these exercises that you can do in these situations. That's really really cool.
0: Yeah, if you go onto YouTube and there's different things you can look up, but body awareness scan or body awareness mm. meditation, or just yin yoga. And it's the process of simply being aware of your body. Like you, you don't have to actually move your body or relax your body, it's just becoming aware of it. And that in and of itself um, can help relax it. Or at the very least, it sort of gives you a signal of like, hey, my, my body's starting to go into like fight or flight mode. I need to slow this down or else I'm gonna say or do something that I regret.
1: Yeah, totally. See, it's, it's things like this that you're talking about and that we're talking about. I think, and that's the whole point of, of the book that I wrote too, because these are not major lifestyle changes. You're not, you don't have to shave your head and move to a monastery up in the mountains, yeah. to, You know, and meditate eight hours a day to be more spiritual. Right. You, know, you can adopt a few things that work for you and, and, and you know what, try things out. If it doesn't work, do something else. And that's why that's where this a la carte concept comes from, because at at the end of the day, you just have to do what's good for you. And and to think, I mean, for most of us with families and jobs and everyday lives and living in this superficial world that we live in, I mean, look, the, that level of dedication is impossible you know, t- t- the, the eight hours a day, but yeah. it's little things that can make huge changes and you don't have to follow any particular system, do what works for you. And that's the whole point.
0: Yeah. I, again, I'm just, what I'm hearing is like, like you said, everyday spirituality, trying to be connected to yourself, your values, your authentic self which is another thing you know you've talked about that would be great Definitely. to go about but really what i'm hearing you talk about is really trying to stay connected to your most authentic self regardless of what's what's going on around you am i hearing that correctly
1: uh, you could yeah totally the authentic self absolutely i think that is a, a a huge huge thing and that's something i guess part of why i'm doing this is to be more authentic right? If I'm being my authentic self, this is who I am. And, you know, suppressing, it's not good for me. Um, And it's, 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 it puts me in a really vulnerable position. This is, this was not an easy, you know, this like spiritual coming out. It was not an easy thing to do. Um, And I would keep, keep, you know, those who knew me very, very well, I I was into this stuff, but um, I want, I want to, I need to do this for me too so in that regard it's somewhat selfish uh and yeah just making it less esoteric generally it, it makes it easier for everybody
0: yeah and i think that's such a really interesting and kind of cool what wh- phrase you use the spiritual coming out so now i'm curious tell me more about that like what do you mean by that? When did that happen? And, and how did that happen? Were, were, you, were you just like, Hey, look at this book I wrote, or was it, I mean, what was that process like for you? Yeah,
1: sort of. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, those really close to me knew I was writing, writing yeah. every, you know, and it would come up and people would be like, Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. I didn't, you know, you, what's it about? Or, you know, so Oh, that sounds interesting. You know, I'm into, I'm into X, Y, and Z, but you know, there are a lot of people who, uh, we're like whoa i had no idea that you i mean cool but wow really and i'm like yeah well i've always been kind of into it so uh, i guess the book itself what was the coming out and i i mean it really it was just zero to 60 you know
0: that's really cool and um i wasn't here to talk about myself but i just have to mention i had a very similar experience about um 15 years ago, I actually wrote and and published a book too about some of my own spiritual journey. And I kind of felt like the same way. I was like, Hey, look, everybody, look at all these spiritual practices that I've been doing. And a couple of people knew, and then a couple like a lot of other people were like, I had no idea. That's really interesting. And then a couple other people were like, dude, what? What the hell like <laughs> well, like you don't need to do any of this what's going on so it was just kind of a interesting
1: how did it feel though did you feel when you first told i mean that that initial when you first told everyone or you first started you know distributing the book or giving how, how did you do you feel vulnerable did you feel like what were what were, you, what were the feelings that you went through
0: yeah actually I, I did feel very vulnerable there's like part of me that question First of all, there's part of me that like, I didn't want to feel like I was like pushing my own beliefs on other people. So I was, I was nervous about that. Um, And then I was also too just sort of like, yeah, vulnerable, like, what are these, what are people going to think of me? Like, like, who are like, who are like, are they going to kind of like you said, like, who am I to write a book about spirituality? Like, I mean, are they going to question this? But it was really more just my own personal experiences. Like, hey, these are some of the experiences that I had. This is what happened. Um, I mean, it was, in a, it was like a, a fictionalized novel loosely based on what I had gone through. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it, was, it was definitely vulnerable. And I mean, even to this day, I don't always feel the most comfortable talking about it, even though it was about fifteen years ago
1: How, How'd you over I mean how'd you overcome those feelings? It was Just by talking about it or
0: well, it was really at the time it was really a commitment to my authentic self and intuition like I actually did approach it from a very logical scientific perspective i was like okay i'm just going to try to follow my intuition and authentic self no matter what and see what happens and so i just kind of kept coming back to that i'm like okay you know there might be my it might be my ego or some of my fear or insecurities that's questioning this but i really want to stay true to what i know in my heart is who i am and, and follow that and then do it without any expectation. I'm like, I just wanna see what happens with this. And to be perfectly honest, over the last 15 years, that decision has created opportunities in my life that I never could have imagined. I mean, that would take hours to explain, but just this conversation is one of them. I mean, that the blog, the the, the book eventually led to the blog, which has led to me connecting with really amazing people. Um, so I, none of that I could have predicted or foreseen, but it's just, it's kind of like the, the coincidences or serendipity you talked about with Carl Jung. It's like the moment you commit to that authentic self, it just opens up these opportunities that you, you never could have imagined or planned.
1: Yeah, and I have to think there's something else guiding it too. Yeah. You know, part, I think you probably what there's what you're not saying and what I didn't really say, but let's let's call it, let's let's just say it. You know, part of when I say I felt compelled, I think we both probably some of what we talk about, what we say, we probably channel from some type of yeah. from source or whatever. We really, we we probably did, and I was actually told that once before as I was writing it. Somebody somebody told me that I was channeling, and not that I'm not saying it because I'm anybody. I mean, we, we all probably get these ideas all the time that we, we channel from from source, right? Yeah. Like, but I think, and so you do that, and by even sharing, if if you help one person, if one person gets a message. I think just from a karmic perspective, too, um, I viewed part of this for me, I feel like i had to balance some karma a little, putting the work in and putting it out there. And even if one person is helped by the, these ideas and the, especially, you know, the law of one, for example, if that reaches one person, then I think karmically maybe i have help balance my own uh,
0: yeah, that's, um, that's a good way to put it. And like you had mentioned, too, it's just like this inner calling that you can't avoid. And it was just, for me, it was so strong, and it was so hard to describe. Um, and I remember, I just sort of told like the universe or God, I'm like, I, I sort of feel like I need to write a book, but I'm really questioning this. And the very next day, and I hadn't told anyone that I was thinking about this. And I had never previously told anyone that I was thinking about writing a book. And the very next day, um, one of my friends from college, I was, I was out with him. And that night, he just asked me, he's like, hey, man, when are you going to write your book? And I was That's like.
1: That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. That, that is so. And that is exactly. That is a synchronicity from the universe. And they we're telling you. You are on the right track. You need to do this. And when you pay attention to this, I mean, even things like, you know, you look at the time and you get an idea and it's like a number that's very meaningful to you. Or you keep this, you keep looking at the clock and the same for me. My birthday is August 13th. And I this constantly, I will not have looked at the clock in however long. And I look down and boom, 813. Yeah. or something that no, it happens uh, constantly to yeah. a point where it's not coincidental.
0: You no, know? absolutely, yeah. My my birthday's on November eighteenth, and I, I can't tell you how many significant events in my life have had that number eleven eighteen. I mean, oh, in the okay. last in the last ten years, I've lived in two different um, places where the the address or some part of the property identification number had eleven eighteen in it.
1: It's incredible. It's incredible. And when you actually look for it right that those are the little signs when when you do open your mind to the possibility that tells you you're on the right track. I mean, same with me, Same, same thing with me, 813, it comes up in so many different ways. And that's not the only number variation, but there's a couple of number variations that are significant to me. And they come up in just even my attorney registration number has a repeating number that is so significant to me. And it's just unbelievable. It's just just over and over again. It
0: it is. I'll just share share one more example. And then I I want to come back to a couple of other things you said. I mean, another significant number for me is 444. 444. I always, I always feel this sense of uh, pr- protection. I mean, I mean, I feel like like angels are around me. And um, a couple, uh, f- four weeks ago to this day, uh, my, my son was born and he was born at 444. Oh, uh, I, I almost like, I you, almost started crying when that, I, I did start yeah. crying when that happened, yeah.
1: You can't make this up. And I mean, yeah. look, there's always gonna be people that dismiss it, but once you open your mind to it and within the spiritual community, everybody is aware of these things and these are that that is that is incredible that's incredible (laughs) yeah i mean like you said statistically like all these things just the statistically it's impossible that at a certain point if it's just a coincidence
0: absolutely absolutely so uh you know two one thing you know i I know we have you you mentioned authenticity and we've spent pretty much a lot of this conversation talking about it but i just want to make sure we cover it because it's such um, I think it's such an important concept, but it's it's also a very like, I think almost overused buzzword these days. So can you share, I mean, you've done a great job of sharing examples. So I appreciate that, but any more examples of like how specifically you incorporate authenticity into your uh, life?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's a generality, but I, I think trying to be as honest and as open as I as I possibly can. And look, not not to the point where you're hurting people's feelings, of course. Like there, there are certain right, but certainly just trying in every situation to be my my truest self. And I, I don't know if I'm talking in circles here, but I that really is, you know. That is the way I do it. And um, even in this conversation, just allowing my vulnerabilities to surface, yeah. allowing my insecurities to surface, you know, being, just showing people the true, true me as often as possible. I guess that's that's the way.
0: That's, that's great, yeah. And I like how you mentioned your vulnerabilities and insecurities, because for me, one thing that was hard to learn about being authentic is for me being authentic means recognizing that i'm not perfect so part of being authentic is accepting that i am imperfect and that's um actually took some of the pressure off but it was it was another part that was kind of challenging for me
1: and and totally and i think it makes you more authentic to your audience and that's a reason in my introduction i say you know i'm 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 so flawed you know you don't want to I, I want to, let me eliminate any pretense. Let me, a, anyone who's going to come out and say, oh, this person's flawed. Yeah, I am. I'm totally flawed. And, and I recognize that. And, you know, I think also just in accepting your, your, what your perceived flaws and your insecurities and really just coming to terms with all that allows you also in situations where people, where you may otherwise react poorly, it allows you to be more calm because, yeah. Okay you know, you're not going to hurt my feelings because I've already come to terms with that part of myself and and who cares, you know, I don't care. So yeah, that's absolutely,
0: absolutely true. And then I don't know if this is also true for you, but the, the, the flip side has also been somewhat difficult for me too, is to recognize that part of recognizing my authenticity is to recognize that I do have certain things that I'm great at and that provide value and service to other people and to ignore that or hide that would also be inauthentic. And that is, I mean, that raises my own sort of like fears and insecurities. Cause again, it comes back to what you said. It's like, you know, who the fuck am I to start talking about spirituality and meditation and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's funny. We're so, we're so similar. I think part of it for me, and part of the reason I address it so early in my book, you know, like I'm flawed. I'm this, I'm that. I, I guess part of me, part of it for me is I'm terrified of being accused of being a fraud or, yeah. you know, and I think that's part of my insecurity. Right. And I'm, I'm still it's something I'm working on, you know, I don't, someone accuses me of being a fraud. So let me put out front, you know, I'm not, I'm not enlightened. I'm not a guru. Right. Don't try to say that I'm a fraud. I'm just a regular person. So I think that's part of what you're saying, almost right. You don't you don't want people to look at you like you're a fraud because you really are being honest.
0: Exactly, and exactly, and you know, we could probably spend a whole hour talking about this. But I don't know if you've noticed, but in in the self help industry um, or spiritual growth industry, you know, there are some authors out there who just almost present themselves in this light of like, nothing bad ever happens to me. Everything in my life goes perfectly. And I think that does a disservice to um, people reading their material. On the other hand, fortunately you are seeing, I think more authors recognizing some of the things that you're talking about saying, no, I I am flawed. Um, Some things, sometimes bad things do happen to me um, there's an author named Jeff Brown, who actually also used to be an attorney who talks about this, how he's, he wrote this book called Grounded Spirituality about how, you know, bad things happen to him. He's not perfect. Um, but he tries to stay true to himself throughout that.
1: Yeah. And I can't imagine, you know, the pressure puts on somebody to put, put out this facade that, that, that they're perfect and, you know, and then, and then, you know, like a f- famous, author or famous actor whoever it is you know then suddenly you know in the tabloids it shows up that they're caught in hotel room cheating on their wife with a hooker and cocaine and everyone's like holy shit! i can't you know like yeah i know so i know (laughs) just it's it's gotta be it's it's so much just let's just all agree that none of us are perfect yeah that we're all (laughs) and it's i think you have to remind if if you get you know into the public light you're doing a podcast you're writing books Reminding people because maybe they have this uh, preconceived notion that you know you are better or more less flawed than them because you put yourself out there. Well, no, you're, you're not. None of us are. So let me address that and constantly re, uh, reiterate that I am not perfect and I am flawed. Just to keep it in the front of your mind, and, you know, in, in case you see me lose my shit one day, you know. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly.
0: Um, and another concept you uh, mentioned is the law of one. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? What is the law of one, and you know how does that show up for you?
1: Yeah, I, I think my entire, you know, the only constant in my entire spiritual practice because it's forever evolving, and every day maybe my perception, my perspective changes based upon something I learn or read or hear or see. Um, The one thing that doesn't change is this concept, this law of one concept that essentially says, everything that exists is just part of one original thought. And meaning we're all connected at at our fundamental core, all connected. We are all essentially the same expression of one creator just who's expressing itself in infinite ways. So, I am connected to you by hurting you, I'm hurting me. And that's, that's the only, that, that is the fundamental basis of everything I believe in. And that also helps, you know, in, in situations where, uh, you know, of conflict, it, it, if you approach it where, well, this person is just another part of me, then you're going to see it in a much different light than if you see everything as being distinct and separate. So, that's at its essence what the law of one is.
0: Yeah, and I, I like how you break that down again and, and easy to understand uh, ideas and terms. Um, I was also kind of wondering to, to go maybe going a, a little more esoteric. W- would you also say that that's related to the concept of? of all of us coming from this one energy source, or maybe people with more religious backgrounds might say, you know, we're all created in the image of God. So we all have this sort of universal energy or, or spirit or essence within us. Is, is that also related to this concept?
1: Yeah, definitely. And let's, I, I love going down the, the esoteric rabbit hole. I think, I think even further, it's not just that we're created in the image of God, of the creator. I think we all are the creator. We are a part of the creator. And we are a manifestation of the creator trying to better understand itself. And um, <clears throat> I think that that is more uh, in my in my in my mind, in my belief, that that makes more sense
0: yeah I I mean it's interesting you mentioned that because they actually talk about that concept a lot in A Course in Miracles and that can actually really do a lot to help you keep your cool it's like if you if I'm noticing I'm starting to get angry at someone it's like wait a second I'm getting angry at someone who is also part of this universal energy is a is a you know also a a child of the creator from the same source like why would i want to start yelling at someone who's connected to me on on that level
1: absolutely and if you know there's so many different sides to this too because you know it's it it there at its core you know in, in the law of One, it talks about how there is no real um, good and evil and it's not that there is no that there aren't bad things that happen and there's no evil, but everything balances everything else. Yeah. So the, what we would perceive as evil things, which certainly do exist. It it, they exist for, you know, many different reasons, but it also helps bring us back to what's good and to show us, you know, why we need to be good to each other. And it, it's, it's this yin and yang concept of balance.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate you you bringing that up because to be honest, that is something that I I do struggle with, and I, I would not be able to give a good uh, ex- just something that I quite frankly don't under understand like you know why you know evil, pain, and suffering and those bad things happen. And uh, I appreciate you at least bring, bring and and at, those topics. Totally,
1: and I think just to further that a little more, it, it, bad things when bad things happen, the evil that exists. It helps us progress. It it shows that this is not how we as human beings want to behave. Yeah. We can progress to a point where that there's no need for that anymore. You know, we we don't want to repeat these terrible things that happen. Those terrible things that happen, you know, the Holocaust, any number of things. Let's learn and grow as as a society. It actually makes us stronger, more resilient, and more loving. Now that that is how if we never had that, then how would we know? How would we know what the opposite is to love? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I appreciate you uh, bringing those those very complex subjects up. Um, And you know, it's it's obvious like you have developed a lot of um, knowledge and interest in these topics. And it sounds like this has progressed over a long period of time. Uh, But I'm also wondering, you know, was there a moment in your life where you're just like, you know, I guess what prompted you to go on this spiritual path or journey whenever it began?
1: I, you know, I've always had an issue with organized religion. I was raised in a Jewish household and I always thought it was just like these arbitrary rules and these, just all all this stuff that was forced down my throat simply because I was born to a certain family never made sense. I always believed that there was something higher, higher power out there uh, but there was look in every religion has its thing but i i'm more familiar with judaism and i talked about this a little in my book but there are certain sects that are more uh the more religious sects that are uh you know subjugating women is a is is a common thing and maybe some people will disagree and my mom was upset when i said certain things but that's the reality of it and there are certain and so to me, that, that is the antithesis of, uh, of, of spirituality. It's, you, you can't, you can't have that. So I was always looking for something and, uh, I, you know, a, a close friend of mine when I was maybe about 18, 17 or 18, you know, my first year of college, we, uh, he, he introduced me to this, this book. I don't know. I think we had some pretty in-depth conversations one night and. And then he he had stumbled upon this book that his mom had, and I think it was, um, "Bringers of the Dawn," uh, and it was uh, I think Barbara Marciniak was the one who wrote it, and it had all these interesting ideas. And I was like, "Whoa, hold on!" You know, there's all these other things, and it it just I just I just had this thirst. From there, I just wanted to learn more and more. And it, um, and the more I learned, the more it helped. I guess it brought made things make more sense. to me. You know, what are we doing here? Who the hell are we? Why you know why? why are, why are we here? Nothing makes sense. And it helps put it in perspective. Well, maybe we're here to learn, you know, maybe this isn't the first, second, third, hundredth time I've been here. Maybe we do this over and over and maybe, and this also helps shape, you know, how I act, you know, I don't want to do bad things because that, you're going to end up back here to learn lessons, And you know, yeah. doing good and, know. and being service to others and, and understand, you know, learn and not repeating this and learning from your own, you're going to make mistakes. And again, because I do notice in my life, there are certain things that are cyclical. Uh, and, uh, certain things like patterns repeat themselves. And I, you know, maybe in the past, in a certain situation, I handled something one way, I don't want to do it that way. Again, so I will take a different path. And then I notice that more positive outcomes will result when I do take that path. Something as simple as, you know, okay. Um, you know, I have the choice between two jobs and maybe in the past I would have chose one job because, Oh, it's, you know, maybe the money seems better in the front and uh, maybe certain superficial things seem better. But when I deviate to the right and take a risk and I follow, follow my instinct, my instinct, which is a whole nother topic, right? That first, without analyzing it, what my instinct says. And when I follow, and a big part of it for me is following my instinct. So when I follow my instinct and I go on that route, every time without fail, it turns out, maybe not immediately, to be the right decision.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a huge part of this. Um, and when you say instinct, other people might use the word intuition or their gut or their heart. And I, I yeah, I've noticed for me that, in the long run, that's always led to some good outcome. Not, for, for me at least, not always in the short run. There's been times when I have followed that instinct or that intuition and I like run into a brick wall and I'm just like, what the hell? But then, you know, in the long run, which may be many years later, I'm like, oh, thank you for that experience. I can see the value in that now.
1: Uh, totally and that's exactly what I'm saying maybe you don't see it at first or maybe you yeah. do but uh, ultimately when you really take out the you know the over analytical part of your brain and you just you just go on instinct or you, yeah whatever you intuition or you follow your heart or you you know but that is the right decision and that's but those are the things that you you know look maybe you don't learn maybe you're one of those people who keep making the same thing over and over and over again and and that's fine, you know, but you may come back to repeat that. You may have to come back until you, until you get it right. So I think try to mitigate that and, 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 and try to see the patterns and do what I think is right, I think that is part of my journey, or I think all of our journeys. Yes,
0: yes. I have definitely, definitely noticed that in my life, too. I, I, mean, there, there this, I mean, there was I mean, there's just a certain theme that seemed to show up over and over and then after i seemed to master it it was like it didn't show up anymore mm. and it was just like you know for me i had to learn maybe this is why i started off as a lawyer but i i had to learn how to advocate for myself without losing my temper and um or without avoiding the conflict and that took me a long time to learn but then after i learned it it's like all of a sudden like all these conflicts just didn't even show up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there's so many things that were popping into my head when you said that. It's so many parallels to my own life, whether it's, you know, on the uh, professional level or the personal level with relationships. I mean, there's so many different things that I in l- no way have mastered it, but that I've learned and yeah. that has created positive outcomes to make me a more happy and stable and grounded person just by seeing what you're saying, seeing the yeah. patterns that emerge and trying to do, follow your instinct or you know, not and not make the same mistakes. Right,
0: exactly. Exactly. Well, these are all topics that we could spend many, many more hours talking on. But I, I really do appreciate the you being so vulnerable and honest and sharing these personal experiences um, with yourself. Um, but I, I do also want to be mindful and respectful of your time. We have a we have a few minutes left. Um, was there was there anything that we didn't talk about um, that you were hoping to talk about?
1: I honestly, I think you did an amazing job. This has been so much fun. I, I and I could talk. See, I could talk about this all day. I wish I could get I know. paid to just talk about this all day because this is this is really where my my passions lie. Um, no, I think you covered. Look, there's there's plenty of other stuff I talk about in my book. Um, and 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 if you you know i think i, I encourage people to to download it just to uh to, to learn more um and you know i think you you've covered a, a lot of the important substance at least
0: yeah good this has been great and i i will write this um in um, the write up for this but just for people who just might be listening to this where can people uh get your book and what is your website and, and how can people get a, in contact with you
1: yeah so uh once again the book is called the logical approach to spirituality and there's a subtitle which is um shatter shattering a religious paradigm and find your inner truth you can get it on amazon i think barnesandnoble.com if you google it it'll it should come up on amazon and uh i do have a pretty basic website it's uh so that it's and I, you can I'm pretty sure order the book through that link as well but yeah I, I I think for anyone who's just interested in you know a different perspective and maybe some new ideas like the law of one I think it's a it's it, it's a really easy and quick read and I hope it's an enjoyable read for everybody
0: yeah well th- thank you again for uh sharing so much about yourself your your honesty your vulnerability and your insights and yeah i I would encourage people go to randy download a logical approach to spirituality i'm sure it's filled with uh, a lot of your uh, insights and personal anecdotes Um, and again randy thank you so much for being here with us today um it was it was a lot of fun
1: thank you so much again i had a blast and 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 by the way the book's available in both hard copy and, and, and uh, Kindle. So however you want to read it, it's accessible, but this has been a blast. So thank you so much, Matt.
0: All right. Well, great. Again, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog. Um, having just the pleasure of talking to Randy Kleinman, author of A Logical Approach to Spirituality, and uh, look forward to catching up with you uh, again sometime soon.
1: Me too.